welcome to the How to HR podcast. I'm your host, Shona, founder and director of Lilac HR, where we help equestrian and country businesses to become brilliant employers. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and let's get cracking. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of How to HR. Today, I'm joined by David Jeffries. How are you, David? Hello, it's lovely to be here. I'm fine, thank you. Enjoying this all four seasons of weather in one day that we're getting today. But apart from that, yeah. It's beautiful, isn't it? Do you need a coat, a bikini? Who knows? <laughs> I, I, I wear both most of the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So, David, to get us warmed up and get us started, do you want to just tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes, my name's David Jeffries, and if I win, I'd like to travel the world and meet people. Um, I hate people that get an unfair advantage over someone else. I, I don't know what it is. It obviously stems from childhood. I'll have to go into it one day. But I don't like it when you work really hard and somebody comes along and pinches something from you uh, that you've earned and they've taken away. Uh, the only people that can get away with that are the tax office, but that's another story. Um, so I kind of see myself as a bit of a sort of a business champion, as it were. So... <laughs> Uh, that's that's really what I do so I, I yes I like I go after people when it's too late but my real passion my real love is to stop things from happening in the first place because I think prevention and cure and, and we all know what the old saying about that so I love helping businesses um, stop things before they happen uh, and that's what I do I, I advise people that's what I do love doing the most going in talking to the staff talking to people talking to management boards HR uh, little plug. Um, about how they can protect themselves and also protect people because at the end of the day money is just numbers Um, it's people that hurt Uh, if money if a five pound note is sitting in my wallet or someone else's but the five pound note doesn't feel any different about it Uh, but the person who's lost the five pounds does and I think that's what it's that's what it's all about to me it's about the unfairness Um, and that's what I do so that's the why the how I do it is as I say talking to people, warning them what can happen. Uh, but of course it does go wrong. And when that happens, I can help find out what's happened, which is the second best thing that I enjoy doing. Um, and this is where I think um, my interest in working with HR comes from actually, because a lot of business uh, in anything that is more than a one man band, should we say, uh, involves people talking to each other and things happen. And one of the, one of the, if you like the weak links in the chain of running a business where you employ people, sadly, are the people. And they can go wrong. And when they do go wrong, they go wrong badly in the sense that they've got access to all your systems, they've got access to your building, etc. And if you don't keep an eye on things, it can go a little bit bad. Um, and it's not just financial stuff. One of the things I'm really interested in is where you have disputes between staff. And I picked up a, a skill which was developed um, with the Israeli Secret Service and the FBI, which is either called uh, Scientific Content Analysis or Statement Analysis, SCAN. Um, and it's, it's really interesting because someone who's first degree in psychology and specialised in criminal psychology, I just find the human brain when it goes wrong incredibly fascinating. And this um, process that I look at it's really great for pinpointing when people are being less than truthful. Um, and I can't promise I could tell if somebody's actually lying and what they're lying about, but I 
can use this and pinpoint when people have been, should we say, economical with the truth. And it's a, it's a process that I'm really sort of fascinated with and, and just love using. Um, and it's based on two premises, if you like, the premises, premise, um, that the lying is stressful. It's physiological, psychologically stressful on the human body. So we don't like doing it, even if we want to, unless we happen to be the, the village psychopath, in which case you quite find lying sort of comes naturally. Nobody likes lying. It's stressful. It puts stresses onto you as a person. Um, and the other one, the, the other factor is that when you say something that you haven't scripted, you, your brain constructs that sentence in a, in a fraction of a second. If I was to ask you, Shania, uh, what did you have for lunch today? You wouldn't sit down thinking, what I had for lunch today? I've got a verb, I've got, I've got an adjective in there, I've got this. You just say, oh, I had a salad today, or I had a big plate of fish and chips, or whatever you had for lunch. You don't think about it, and it's, it's the same with everything you say. So if I ask you to either say or write something down, your brain constructs the sentence before you've even thought about it consciously. But your unconscious mind doesn't like to lie. In fact, it can't lie. Your unconscious mind can't lie. It's, it knows what it knows and that's it. It's your conscious mind that lies, puts it on the top. So we let little things slip through, things to do with pronouns and sentences, structure and uh, uh, um, time. Time is a, a really good factor in this. If I start talking about something in the present tense, that's because my unconscious is in the present tense, which means it's constructing a sentence, not recalling one. So I could ask someone um, during the robbery what happened, and they said, well, I'm standing there and I'm looking at this geezer and he's got his gun in his hand and it's all present tense. And you think, why are you speaking in the present tense? Because when I was talking about breakfast this morning with you, which is what we do when we start the interview, we talk about things that we know they're going to be truthful about. You've now suddenly gone into the present tense. That's not saying you're lying, but it is telling me that you're, I'm constructing this for some reason, and it gives an indication of where to go. Um, subtle things like that. The use of the word I, or the, or the not using the word I. You're disassociating yourself because it's very uncomfortable. And all these little things add together. Uh, saying this and those and these and that, it's a distance thing. People missing detail. I got up, I had my breakfast, I toast a marmalade and a, and a bacon sandwich and three cups of coffee and a, an ice cream sandwich. And then I went to, got in the car. I remember it was really raining and I, the windscreen wipers were making a squeak and I, I must do that. Um, and then I drove to, you know, drove to work. When I got there, and you think, hang on a minute, there's like half an hour between you leaving there and getting to work. What's that gap about? Well, it's because you don't want to talk about what happened in that bit. So it's all things like that you apply. And it is great if you get, this is a plug for HR, if you get a, a he said, she said situation, and you're looking at it and you think, well, they could both be right. They could both be wrong. One could be right, one could be wrong get them to write it out, send it to someone like me, um, and I can tell you which questions and what to ask about and unofficially tell you which one I think is lying or what they're lying about. But officially, it'll give you a great way of pinpointing where to go in this, um, this interview or this, um, this investigation you're doing. So yeah, that's what I love doing. <laughs> and that's me <laughs> rattling on for hours. No doubt you can edit. 
the middle no. bit of that, but they <laughs> no, because it's all so fascinating. And I know that this is exactly why I wanted to get you on the podcast because stuff like that really gets it really gets me going. I really enjoy a good juicy investigation, and I know that you do as mm. well. So what yeah. are your sort of favorite types of investigation? Is it like the fraud investigations or the thefts or the he said she says? Oh, gosh, you know, they all bring something and every investigation is um, a learning experience for an investigator. I think the ones I like best are the ones that involve people saying things to each other or saying things that we need to bottom out. So it's when it's if it's if it's a where did the money go? Uh, we know who did it. All we need to do is trace the bank account. Um make sure you've got all of the payments. It's quite nitpicky and it's quite detailed. And you go in and you have to get all the payments. You have to look at them and say, where has it gone? Is there something about that that's suspicious? And you sort them all out. That's great. And it's an easy investigation because you know who did it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's quite, I'm not gonna say boring or mundane because it's not, because it's still fascinating in its own right. But it's quite um, prescriptive, I suppose is the word, isn't it? You know, you have a process and you do, not to say that it doesn't go off somewhere. I mean, I had one which was, few years ago which was a couple of ladies that worked for an insurance company that 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 managed to resurrect old claims and put additional payments on uh this is why people in your organization are the most dangerous they had a floor limit they couldn't authorize any payments for uh anything over 2500 pounds so guess what they did they're all 2450 2999 2000 all that sort of thing just under just varying slightly um, and in five months, they got eight hundred, eight and a half, no, eight hundred and fifty thousand pounds out of the company in small chunks. And you know, started off with one or two, and it got bigger and bigger. Uh, and eventually, we ended up going. Well, I didn't go; they wouldn't let me go. But we had to get someone local. But seizing houses and speedboats in Hawaii, not Hawaii, um, Florida, and works of art from London houses and all that sort of thing, which is they bought all this stuff simply on the back and actually that's interesting that was on the back of me going to a company and giving their staff a talk about fraud awareness you know what to look for what to do if you and more importantly what to do if you discover it and of course what usually happens when I go in somewhere is a couple of weeks later two three weeks later I get a phone call saying uh is it David uh you're the guy that came in and spoke about fraud and I go I know what's coming next (laughs) Um, I've noticed something a little bit odd would you give me a bit of advice on this and you go yeah okay look into it and 99 times out of 100 it's like leave it with me thank you for bringing it to my attention and that was a classic case of that that happened so yeah they can you know what starts as a few suspect transactions is interesting it can go places but the best one is when you don't <laughs> i've watched far too many poirots in this marvel haven't I? it's when you don't know what's going on yeah. and you have to get to the bottom of it and people when i say people those involved are not necessarily wanting to help you um and you have to actually it's more like colombo you you kind of don't know but you've got a couple of suspects or you've got even got one suspect you've got no evidence and the key to a good investigation and shona you'll you'll know this you'll you'll agree with this i know this the key to an investigation is to follow the evidence not your suspicions yeah if you don't have an evidence-led investigation you will case in point the post office scandal with all the postmasters that were arrested they just suspected something was wrong and went after the evidence that supported it i mean i haven't seen the detail but i would back next month's mortgage money on the fact that that was what happened there they thought it can only be him so let's gather evidence to get them 
yeah. doomed for, to failure. That's how you end up with HR messing up and the company being taken to this tribunal. Nobody ever won a tribunal for being sacked fairly. <laughs> no, and this, nobody ever. No, and I, you're absolutely right. Like I've I've gone in after other HR consultancies and picked up their investigation, and you sort of look at the case and you think, well, I know what my gut feel tells me, but this investigation. There's, there's literally no evidence to support what they're recommending. It's absolutely rubbish. So you're absolutely yeah. right what you're saying. It's got to be evidence-led, even if you've got that gut feeling and you think, I, I think I pretty much can piece together what's happened here. The evidence yeah. is there. You haven't really got anything, have you? No, and, and you sack them because you think they've got them and they take you to tribunal and you haven't followed the due process. There's no evidence. It, you end up, you know, with losing more money and, and having to pay them or even having to continue to employ them etc cetera, etc cetera, because you didn't follow procedure properly um it's yeah. the same with police investigations it's exactly the same there are times and i've worked with police before and there are times when they sit there and you say oh God, we can't get him we can't get them we don't the evidence or whatever i've known several particularly the younger newer police uh, and then you get one of the old sweats in there and say don't worry about it he'll do it again we'll get him next time and that's exactly what happens, because if they get away with it once, they're going to do it again. And of course, if you've got your gut feeling, providing you act legally, um, you can keep an eye, particularly as an employer, you can keep an eye on their expenditure on their company credit card legally. You can access their systems. You can do audits on their payments, etc. Totally legally. It's your data. You can do what you like with it. If you want to protect yourself, do the whole department. So it's not just on that one person. You know this. <laughs> um but you can keep an eye on them then and if they did do it the first time the chances are they'll think huh, they can't get me i'm gonna have another go tap 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 and all of a sudden can we have another word and that's yeah. it you've got them that time yeah. and i think this is this is the key isn't it I, I see so many employers who sort of see something going wrong and they their gut is this needs to change this can't carry on but they don't take action quickly enough no. and the action they take isn't really what needs to happen so they miss the boat yeah. it's like yeah, six months, oh i think he stole 50 quid six months ago and you think well sorry mate in terms of employment you've kind of missed the boat on that yeah i, I think sometimes it's funny you know it's, it's there's three things you can do when you spot something and that is nothing the wrong thing and the right thing well the wrong thing is the worst thing you can do <laughs> Um, the right thing is the best thing you can do, but sometimes doing nothing is the best thing to do if it's the right kind of nothing. Yes. Don't get involved. Don't stop talking to people, taking statements and everything else until you've spoken to someone like an HR specialist, like someone like myself who's, you know, an investigator knows what you can and can't do. Um, and when I say do nothing, I mean you do nothing in that you don't wade in. What you do is... And this is why I love the preventative stuff up front, because if you do this properly as a business owner, you've got a process already. So something happens and, and it's still, a, oh, what do I do? Um, you know what to do. So you're like, oh, yes, I ring up David. I ring up Shona. I ring up whoever I ring up to do this and report it and then step back. So three R's, it's record, report and retreat. If you, if you spot something, that's what you do. You record everything you, you've got with dates, times, relevant people. You report back to whoever it says in your procedures to do and that may be yourself if it's a small company but you know what to do hopefully and then you just you stand back and let the professionals deal with it 
I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, I've worked with HR a lot over the years and I know an awful lot about HR, but I was not presumed to advise anyone on HR. I would say, I think you need to do this or I wouldn't do that if I were you until you've checked with Shona or your yeah. HR people. But I'm pretty sure you, sh you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, <laughs> and, that, and I know, I know, but I can't give them that information because I might be wrong. Things change and, and my experience might be different. So. That in itself is such valuable advice because I, oh, I did an investigation last year and it, it was a fairly straightforward um, allegations of bullying. There was a couple of grievances, but the problem was, was that the employer had gotten involved with the investigation when they shouldn't have. They should yeah. have just given it to HR and left it, but they didn't. What the employer did was get involved, sit down all the people who had raised the grievance and said, you are lying. And if you don't retract your grievance, I'm going to sack you. Oh, lovely. <laughs> well, you can imagine my face. <laughs> and yeah. Was when I went in to do all the hearing, you know, the hearing piece, they submitted that as evidence. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Oh, talk about nailing your own coffee. And I was like, goodness me. Oh, yeah. How to, oh, yeah. How to screw up in, in less than one. <laughs> so, oh, good people listening, don't do that please <laughs> call, call, call Shona <laughs> just ring me ring me I'll walk you through it same thing with David like there's if you don't know what you're doing don't do it let someone who knows what they're doing pick it up and exactly. sort it absolutely and I mean I don't know about yourself but if somebody contacted me um and wanted just an initial assessment advice I wouldn't cost them a penny anyway I'm more than happy to go in and say this is what you need to do by the way here's my business card if you want to give me some money uh but you know just I'll give you some some free advice up front is just what to do uh, and if you want to do it and you want me to do it that's great and I would obviously point them in your direction if it was a purely HR matter but yeah but you know it's, what, I'm just... it's all the kind of stuff that they can find on Google or on ACAS or you know all the, the procedural yeah. stuff it's it's all available but if you like you say yeah if someone rang up and said this has happened what steps do I take here are the steps like you say oh, yeah. if you need help give us a shout well, it's so, 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 oh, do I need an HR policy? What is an HR policy? Well, Google HR policy and have a look at some. You might find one that you could possibly adapt and, and give you something. Because if you've, if you've got a procedure, you have to stick to it. Um, but obviously, if you haven't got a procedure, then you've got none to stick to. And that's when it can really go wrong. But I would say, once you've got one, have a look at it, read through it, look at, see the bits that apply to you. Then go and have a word with Shona and say, do you think this is good, good enough for me? Chances are it probably is yeah. because there's not a lot of difference in UK law from one company to another. You know, if you employ people, it's the same employment law for employing a baker as it is for a butcher, a candlestick maker or whoever at the end of the day. So there's not that much difference. But for goodness sake, get off your backside and, 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 and get one. Same with a fraud policy. Yeah. You know, if I go into a company and I say, well, what do you do about fraud? Well, so what do you do about fire? Oh, yes. Well, we have a fire alarm every three months. We've got this. We've got fire exits. We've got the fire brigade on, on speed dial. We've got it extinguishes everywhere. And I go, right, OK, so in the event of a fire, you know what to do. Oh, yeah, fire marshals. I've got these lovely shiny jackets and we've got a firearm system that, that, that's next to nothing. So I say, right, OK. Imagine what it would be like if you waited for your first fire before you decided what to do in terms of fire prevention. 
and that the pen, you can see the pennies up in the air. <laughs> um, okay, so imagine if you waited until your first fraud before you decided what to do about a fraud or financial crime or whatever it is, and then it yeah pennies pennies descending, um, and then it hits the floor and you go yeah you're right isn't it you know, and okay fire, fire kills potentially uh, and causes devastation, but in its own way the wrong fraud can cause enough devastation to close your business. And unlike fire insurance, fraud insurance is never, if, you, if you've got it, if you haven't got a policy, you won't have fraud insurance. Um, it's not going to, you know, if you haven't got it, it's not going to get your money back. Um, and most frauds, I'm sorry to say that you're never going to get everything back. You'll get some back. You might get most of it back. There are times when you do get it all back. Uh, but there are times when you don't get any of it back. And it's not just the loss. It's not just the five quid that's gone out the door, the five million quid that's gone before tax. Remember, it's bottom line money. Um, it's not just that. It's the, the effect on your operations because you're going to have to devote time to dealing with it. Uh, the money you've lost is now not available for that investment in that new machine that goes ping that you wanted to buy or the widget making machine or the, 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 you know, the three extra staff that you were going to take on. That's, yeah, hit down to touch. Your business plan is now set back 12 years, 10 years, three months, whatever it is. You've, that money's gone. You can't invest it now. So, you know, the, and, and the reputation, you know, if it gets out that you let it happen. Yeah. It's, it's like people say, I want to hush this. And they never hush up a fraud if you don't, if you, especially if you dealt with it correctly, because people look at it and go, well, they, they were defrauded, but they did this. They got that back and they go, well, they're a good company to work with. So it's all, you know, you, it's a positive side to doing that sort of thing. Why have you got fraud policy? Are you scared of fraud? Yeah. Are you not? <laughs> <laughs> You're completely right. Well, it's so funny. It's the same with HR, isn't it? it Why is... wait till your first tribunal to work out you need an HR policy? Literally. And, and I've, I've come across so many companies like it. Not many. Um, but, you know, I, I spoke to a company a couple of years ago now. They want, they needed and hate a, a contract of employment. So contracts of employment are a legal requirement. It's yep. absolutely, you have to have one, as you well know. This company didn't have um, contracts of employment. They had subsequently hired somebody who had had a life-changing injury at work that was the fault of the employer. Mm -hmm. And they had absolutely nothing, no health and safety policies, no contract, nothing. Like that employer was up a creek without a paddle. And I said, okay, it's going to cost you whatever it is, a couple hundred quid to get your contract sorted. Did they do it? No. So it's like you, they you know, hadn't even learned that the benefit of protecting yourselves with these documents, they sound like a box checking exercise, but they are so important to protecting your business. Because like you said, if you don't even have a procedure to follow, you've got nothing. You've got nothing to hold anyone no. to, have you? No, and, and, and as you know, if it goes to tribunal, you've got no procedure in there, then they will adopt the basic procedure. So you're, whatever you want to thought in your head, you're going to have your procedure foist upon you by the tribunal. That's at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. And that's not going to be favourable to you as an employer, particularly if somebody's had an accident or you've dismissed unfairly or... No, this is it. And this is what, you know, I've I, I worked with a lot of clients who have got maybe two employees and they say, do I need an employee handbook? And I said, well, yeah, yeah you, you can, but an employee handbook, I mean, it's going to be like 80 pages. Are they going to it read it? It can be a sheet of A4, can't it? With, yeah, this exactly. is what we expect of you. Yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. do it in contracts. If you've got your contract, you can explain the basics. You can go through, you know, the very, very bare bones of things. 
But then you just, if you've got your HR support, you're always going to be following the ACAS code of practice. So even yeah. if you don't have a policy, if you've got the HR support there, whatever happens, you're always going to be following the right process to get yeah. the same result, aren't you? Yeah. And again, Google employment contract and find a generic one and just have a look at it and go, well, and, and just for now, this will do. Because you've got to do it within, is it within two weeks of them starting? They've got to sign one or something, or is it immediately? Yeah, on or before their first day now. As it, you know, okay, you used to get a grace period, didn't you? Yeah, you See, did. this is why, guys, guys, this is why you need to speak to Shona when it comes to <laughs> HR, not me. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. it changes all the time, but yeah, it does, anything yeah. is better than nothing. It, yeah. Yes, it's always, always preferable. It's the same with like, you know, getting your terms of business drafted or your privacy policy for your website. Get someone who yeah. knows what they're going to draft it, but anything's better than nothing. Exactly, yeah. And, and provide, and, and, and I mean, you just gotta go, there's government websites, there's HR, um, uh, sort of the database things online that have got example yeah. copies that are free to download. You can yeah. use them as well. So obviously some of them you, you, you pay and others you have to credit things and, and whatnot, but there's plenty out there. And let's face it, if you're a business person, you mix with other business people, all you've got to do is say, I'm just taking my first member of staff on. What did you have to do when you did yours? And they'll tell you, oh, yeah, I spoke to an HR, but they did this. Or make sure you get a contract employed. That's just talking to people at the next BNI meeting or the next Federation of Small Business meeting. Just, in fact, if you remember the FSB or something like that, they will be able to point you in the right direction as well. So most, most business people are members of something, rainmakers, FSB, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So what would you say, David, then are your top tips for employers doing an investigation who maybe don't have the HR support there? Gosh, back to the three R's really, I suppose. Um, if you suspect something, don't approach anybody. Um, it's like the Aussie, it's a need to know basis. Um, record everything that you think is relevant with dates, times, people involved. And then if you've got, a procedure which i can help you write plug plug um follow that procedure if you haven't then contact somebody um it, and again this is like you know oh we've got a fire where are the fire exits um try and find somebody um uh, these days it's online isn't it or whatever that deals with um financial crime fraud or hr matters or whatever it is that you need to deal with and just talk to someone before you do it. You don't have to pass any details. You can speak in generic terms. You could, you know, hypothetically, if I had someone that I thought was, had done this, um, and it could be anything from stealing money to sexual harassment to bullying in the workplace or anything, if you, if you don't know how to deal with it, there's thousands of people out there that can help you. Two really good ones, actually, David and Shona, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well you've got to plug yourself haven't you <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong <laughs> yeah now i would say yeah the, the biggest thing to do is what not to do and that is don't start investigating everyone's watched borrow and they know what you do you get everyone in a room and then you go around saying it could be you but it isn't it could be you but it isn't it's you that's great if you're a, a, a drama writer you know, a crime fiction writer or a tv director it's not how you do things in real life like your guy got them all in one room and got them to say everything Who's going to say the truth in front of someone who's they think is against them or whatever? You've got that antagonism going on in the room before you even start. Yeah. If you get if you're going to do that, the way I do it is I say, okay, right, you've got two people that are saying different things, right? 
I want that person to write me a statement, everything that happened from day one to, you know, to now, and that person to write their one. I then say that away and I look at the language as, as I do. I look at the words I use, I look at the use of the pronouns, the tenses, everything else that's in there. And I'll go back to the manager and I'll say, right, you need to ask person A about what happened then. Person B, you need to ask this and give them a list of things to do. I mean, imagine that for yourself as an HR person, you've got three, four people that are involved in an incident. You know, one of them is at least one of them's telling the untruth. If I was to come to you and say, these are the questions you need to ask. These are the aspects you need to inquire after. This is the person you need to ask about. This is what you need from that one. How much time does that save you from going through it all and just, hours. you know, hours and I think hours. it might have been. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But, and if, if I tell you that, I tell you when the incident actually happened, I can even say when something can happen in certain circumstances because of the way that, or this is what happened. Uh, there's so many things that you look in there and you go, that's, that's someone that's being less than truthful. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and you're right that the time element, even with someone who knows what they're doing, you know, like when, I, when, I, when I've got an investigation going on, it can take my entire day to sift through the statements and the evidence and, and like you said, that if people haven't recorded things, it's even harder because you've got to go back to the client and go, right, I need this bit of information. Have you got that email? Oh, well, I don't yeah. know, I might have deleted it. Oh, God. And, and again, not having all the right pieces of evidence can really undermine the whole process and the whole case. Oh, absolutely. And it's all down to, um, it's down to the evidence and it's down to, quite often down to detail, not in the sense that you need every, every T crossed and every dot, I dotted, but no, and this is where I can help, where you need to focus on that, where the detail is important. And there's so much you can do to, to, to narrow that down. And like I say, it's, it just saves so much time and effort. Um, I, yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I find that I think I think what happens is something like you said before, like something quite small that's maybe like a bit of a an anomaly in some numbers, or perhaps someone's just made that one-off comment that you've picked up on. It you think it's going to be really simple, and then you start digging, and it grows arms and legs, and then it starts to yeah. resonate with you, and then it gets really complicated. Because I the amount of cases I've had like that, you know, I had I had one that started off as one person with a grievance against their manager turned into every single person in that department raising grievances about bullying against that manager I was like oh wow okay this is a yeah. big deal. That, that's the classic isn't it that's the one where um because eventually bullies are, are, are quite cows themselves aren't they as you, as you know but it's when the one person then stands up against that manager and says don't you dare do that to me again blah 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 and then someone will go good for you girl you know what you can stuff it as well and it, it spreads doesn't it mm -hmm. and it's that yep. effect and somebody it's like oh why did I put up this for this for the last six months 12 years or whatever it is you know he is a bully and he's wrong and and then of course it turns out that there have been complaints in the past that have been pushed under the carpet or ignored or people have been sacked or paid off or promoted to keep quiet and all that sort of thing and it's yeah. just or the investigation yeah. has just been botched and it just hasn't been done very yeah. well or you know, like say the right questions haven't been asked something as simple as that and they can just carry on getting away with it yeah yeah i'm not going to mention the word super you can edit that out <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's i i love a juicy investigation i really do i'm like you you know when you get something you think oh what's happened here then oh don't know you, you know what into it. 
do you know what, Sharon? If you get an investigation, I'll come and work alongside you. I'll do it for nothing because I just want to work with you. I just, I just <laughs> know we're going to be. I think I think not only will we work well together, I think we would actually probably have to recall what we were doing and turn it into a TV script. Actually. Oh my god, yes, that would be so good. <laughs> we're like making a murder. Hamilton, Hamilton Higgins, and Jeffries. That's it. <laughs> Oh, there is a there is a series in corporate investigation, isn't there? There really is. <laughs> oh my god, yeah! Just the amount of weird and wonderful crap that comes up when you start digging into things. It's oh god, yeah. It's it's fascinating. You know, some of the some of the more complex cases I've had, you sort of start out with like a sexual harassment claim, and this this was a true case. I had a sexual harassment claim. Um, female employee claiming that she was being sexually harassed by a male member of staff go in, start investigating, it actually transpires that she was the one that was sexually harassing all of the males in the um, in that particular site, upsetting yeah. everybody. But they, they were all like, well, we can't say anything because we're guys and no one's going to believe us. Mm. She, she uh, the employee ended up um, playing the rape card, which then added another layer of, of complexity to the whole thing. Then we had a police investigation and the parents got involved. It was a whole mess. Um, but like I say, we, it transpired that actually she had been sexually harassing people. She'd also been having sex with people at work. So, you know, everybody who'd been engaging in that activity really just needed to go. But yeah. it was, it was it, like you said, when you start off with something really small and you start asking questions and like you say, you start saying to someone, this happened the other day what do you think about that and they sort of start telling you actually I didn't really like it it made me feel a bit sick and a bit uncomfortable you're like all oh, right okay <laughs> and all of this other stuff starts coming out oh Christ yeah obviously there's something you need as an investigator be it HR or or corporate whatever um is you need to be able to deal with things that a lot of people will find uncomfortable just mention talking about I mean some people can't even say the word sexual harassment or I mean to talk about rape in a, in a you know in an office environment is not everyone is very comfortable doing that. So you have to be quite, um, well, very professional, yeah. uh, very calm, very thick skinned in some ways. Um, yeah, it's funny because yeah. I was uh, in court a few weeks ago uh, on the right side of the dock. Um, and it's it's quite funny actually, because when people read out what was said in the heat of the moment and you hear, you see this well-spoken barrister standing up saying, he said, and a stream of the worst words you can imagine being read out in this, you know sort of like class clips barrister voice it's actually quite funny in some ways um but yeah you have you have to treat things you have to treat the evidence as as what it is and deal with it in a professional way and it can be i mean you, you must find this sometimes the cases we get are actually quite um quite upsetting in many ways aren't they do, do you know what i mean you, you're looking at real people you you never take your eye off the fact that you're dealing with human beings here who get hurt and damaged and, and it's yeah, sort of okay, extreme, isn't it? Yeah, you've got procedures to follow. Yes, you've got to do all that, but you must you must bear in mind that you're talking to a vulnerable young man or or woman in front of you. In this case, male vulnerable males, which does happen more frequently than most people are aware of. Um, and you're you know you're dealing with people at the very extremes of emotion there, and you. You have to be empathetic, but without getting involved. And it's sometimes a, a, a very difficult position to be in. 
Yeah. Because and as I a think... human being, you want to sort of literally and figuratively you put your arms around them. And of course you can't, you don't, but you do feel that that empathy with them, don't you, at times? And it's yeah, and I think yeah. even if even when you've got an employee who's, you know, had their hand in the till or whatever, mm. I think the, the employer's first reaction is to be really pissed off about it and, and feel really angry and really upset and really let down. But again, you have to look at what's driving that behaviour, what's making that Exactly, person, yeah. What's going on in their life that makes them feel like they need to nick 20 quid out of the till? Yeah, know? I mean, yeah, take the current uh, climate, uh, financial climate. You could have a single parent at home who literally can't have the heating on doesn't know where the money for the young child is going to be and the only the only solution to it is to take money from the till fully intended to pay it back and we know the letter of the law says that's illegal they should be punished etc etc but you've got as i said people you've got to put the human face onto it as well and as an employer you have a duty of care that extends beyond just making sure they don't trip up a computer cable and, and i would say to them look they've done wrong but let's have a look at how you as an employer, as a, particularly as a big company, how you as an employer, even a small company, how you can help that person. Because not only will you not get rid of a, a member of staff that is probably works quite well for you because you employed them, but you might end up with someone who's going to be so much more dedicated and supportive of you as the employer. And you can take that relationship forward. So just you know, getting someone down the neck and charged and in court and fined and sacked that's not always the best outcome for both parties. No, that's completely right. And you've got to consider so much more, you know, when we're talking about investigations at this point, when your investigations get to a hearing and you've actually got to decide the fate of this person, you've got to consider yeah. more than just the evidence, haven't you? It's not just the investigation report. Oh God, yeah. It, yeah. You've got, like, is, it, is this the first time it's happened? If this person has, been, has got an exemplary record for the last 20 years, and they've just stuck their hands in the till and nicked 20 quid to go and top up their heating at home. Still not right, doesn't excuse it, but like you say, does that then warrant sacking them and it sort of exacerbating their financial situation? Is that the right thing to do? Yeah. There's, there's just so much, yeah, I think you summarised it really, really well in just saying it's, it's the human element. You just need to think about it like, like a person. Yeah. What's, what's going to happen, what's going to happen to the, the child, the only parent, if she's now fined? with a criminal record that can't get a job she you know she's got a job and she can't afford to feed him what's going what's going to happen when she can't get a job she's got a criminal record or, or goes to prison because it just so happens that week that you know that was what they decided it's unlikely in that scenario but it's not un, it's not impossible um you know look beyond the fact that somebody's taken 20 quid out of the till find it yeah absolutely totally agree with you exactly why dismissals should always be a last resort this is yeah. why you have warnings this is why you have procedures in place to help drive behavioral change before you need yeah. to actually consider dismissing somebody shouldn't just be yeah. an instant right that's it you're gone um because it, and the, the other thing actually if we take this example that we've been using where you've got a single parent really struggling with money if the single parent is a parent of a disabled child and has extra financial difficulty, they could potentially, if you don't follow the right procedure and you sack them for nicking that 20 quid out the till just because you saw it happen, you could potentially be looking at an indirect discrimination claim. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If, you know, if, if, she's, if she's got access to a mate who's a good barrister 
<laughs> that's that's where I'd be taking it. Yeah, exceptional hardship. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, there's, yeah it's, no, it's, totally. It's a, hard, it's a hard job being an employer. You've got a lot to think about. And I think people need to make sure they take it seriously, don't they? I think I think the key there is, as I said before, is 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 the actual meaning of duty of care. And duty of care, as I say, doesn't isn't does not extend to the, the health and safety and the you know make sure the lights work and things like that and that you have your pat testing done. That's the very basic minimum. Duty of care extends to their mental well-being, their mental health, all sorts. Because one of the reasons why they've stole from you could be because of something you've done as well. Because if it turns out that you turn around and said they can't have a pay rise because, and they were expecting it, and you handled it badly, that doesn't excuse. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying excuses. The theft is theft at the end of the day. But you have to put it in context. And, and I, I can tell you, as a, as a former JP, when you sit there and you, you're listening to the plea and mitigation. That has an effect in a, a criminal court when they say, why did you steal? Well, it was because my disabled son needed this and my, my employer did that. And I did intend to pay it back. And you go, well, that's irrelevant. But given the circumstances, we're going to give you a conditional discharge and, and whatever. And, you know, exceptional hardship, dot, dot, dot. That's what can happen. And if you can turn that person around and help them as an employer, um then as i say you you're 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 going to save yourself all that money in hiring someone to do all the various bits and pieces anyways it's going to cost you more than 20 quid to get your 20 quid back um and you're going to end up with a member of staff who's going to be really an asset to you potentially now that to me would be better than just sacking someone that well, yeah. is in a vulnerable position and even if in the worst case, let's say you let them off and you give them a final written warning for 12 months, even if they do it again, you've then taken the right steps to try and prevent the behaviour. They've then gone, actually, I know that you helped me out and, you know, got me out of a bit of a pickle, but I'm still going to steal from you. Well, then that's on them, isn't it, at that point? Oh, you yeah, yeah absolutely. Your due, due diligence to try and help them. Absolutely. I mean, especially if you can get up and you say, well, not only did I let you not let you off, but not only did I accept that you were forced into that position by circumstances, but I then gave you um, a one off payment of such and such just to sort your gas bill out. Or, or I made a donation to your the, the new wheelchair that your child needed or whatever it was you were doing. But I did, you know, I did that as well. And you still turn around and bit, bit in the hand that feeds you then I'm sorry, you've had your chance. I helped you. I've gone above and beyond to support you and you've still done it. This time it's it's a no from me, you know, and that's it. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> my clients were telling me employment is a minefield and I think it is, but it also isn't in a way. I think it, it feels like a minefield if you don't quite know the right steps that you can take and the way that you can deal with things. It, yeah, it's a minefield, but, people have put little flags where the mines are. So if yeah. you look out for the flags, you'll get through it. And the flags are there. Those flags are things like fraud policy, HR policy. Yeah, all those little flags. And then you can navigate your way through that minefield and it becomes a, a, a minefield that you know where the mines are. Yeah. It's still there. And if you step wrong and you don't follow the policy, that's like, some, you know, you pulled the flag out and go, oh, let's just go anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much that's so accurate <laughs> we've done that one to death now haven't we the, the analogy <laughs> that's 
yeah that is beyond accurate I think I mean if there's ever a great note to finish a podcast on it's that in it <laughs> yeah the minefield make sure you know where the mines are in your HR minefield <laughs> don't take the flags out and step on them silly silly idea yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, David so- I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation as I have indeed um before we sign off would you just like to tell everybody where they can find you and how they can engage your services if they need them oh gosh yes if you want to contact me best thing to do is go to my uh, website which is adastralconsulting.co.uk which is uh you could probably put it in the um the blurb can't you i will do adastralconsulting one words um co.uk my website's there it's got all my services all of the things i offer uh, on all the contact details and i would love to talk to anybody um who just wants to ask me a couple of things or they're worried about something come and talk to me um no obligation as they say <laughs> and uh, i'm looking forward to our first case together and see if we can work out who m- murdered lord smile or whatever it was oh yes and I, I feel like i might have a juicy one in the books um coming up for you anyway so um that'll be good that'll be good I'll be, in all seriousness if anyone wants to find out more about the state nurse any hr people out there which i hope they are because this is an hr podcast if you do want me to just come along and talk about how that works um and if just put it in there in your potential toolbox if you ever get i don't know if this person's telling the truth or not i can come along and, and help you yeah and there's, yeah. De- there's definitely people hr professionals out there who will be dealing with those cases right now because it's yeah i yeah that'd be brilliant I can yeah. see I can see how much it's it's going to help mm. save time, money and effort and uh, how much it's going to get to the truth a lot quicker, a lot easier. But there you go. Oh, David, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much yeah. for coming on. You're more than welcome. I've really enjoyed it. I always love talking to you, Sharon. It's always, <laughs> it's always a laugh. Yeah, we try. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode if you love what you're hearing then be sure to tell us on facebook and instagram at lilac hr ltd